You are listening to A Minute of Your Time, a podcast helping entrepreneurs illegally protect their passion and profits. I am Shay M. Lawson Esquire, your host, and I am an IP attorney with over 10 years of experience helping entrepreneurs and entertainment professionals legally protect and scale their businesses to the next level. And that is exactly what this podcast is all about. On each and every episode, I will give you tips and resources for you to be able to grow your profits and protect and create a legacy that is one that you will have for generations with your business. I will pull stories from the headlines and we will also have a social minute that as we grow and impact our businesses, we are also growing and impacting our communities and taking just a minute to be the change we want to see around us. I'm so happy to have you here. If you have not subscribed yet, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're on Anchor FM, drop me a voice note. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and hop on into this week's episode. Welcome to episode 28 For the holiday season, I am actually going to take a quick break from the CEO Mindset Series. And this week, I am talking to entertainment attorney and HuffPost contributor, Amy Arefo. This will be for all of my music industry creatives, whether you are an artist, a songwriter, a producer, and you are interested in working in international markets, we are talking the key resources resources, the key building blocks of doing business in the continent of Africa and more. And this is such a treat of an episode. I will give you a little bit of background is that Amy and I have kind of known each other in passing for years in the Atlanta space of the entertainment industry, but have never really gotten to genuinely connect and just have substantive conversation. And I had a potential client reach out to me who had some really great things going on in international spaces. And Amy was actually the first person I thought of. And so I ended up sending this individual over to Amy to hopefully work with her in her law firm. And that's really just the heart of the music industry and kind of who I am and as, a, as an attorney is that there is so much space out there. There are so many opportunities for everybody to win. And there are so many people moving in their purpose and moving in their space. And Amy is one and her unique niche is helping music creatives that are in these international spaces. And I just just love the fact that she came to my mind. I was able to send this person over and I knew that they were going to get stellar service from her. After that, we ended up connecting in pandemic style for a 
a Zoom lunch and had such a great conversation. I said, Amy, you have to come on the podcast. And she totally obliged me. So I'm so grateful for this. What's really awesome is that the day we actually recorded is when the media decided to cover the allegations that are inside the lawsuit of Lil Wayne versus his manager, where his manager is alleging that Lil Wayne sold his masters and the masters of Drake and Nicki Minaj for only a hundred million dollars. And we talk about whether or not that makes dollars and cents. But of course, we get to the heart of the topic of doing international business in the music industry. And what are the things you need to have together? What are the resources that you absolutely need to check out? How can you network internationally in the midst of the pandemic? And then also with this being holiday season for the social minute, we cover the charitable causes that are close to Amy's heart. So this is a completely full episode, well worth the listen while you last minute wrap those gifts for the holiday season. So I won't hold this episode up anymore. Welcome to episode 28. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you for having me, Shay. I am excited for this conversation. I was excited for the conversation in general, but then when I woke up this morning and scrolled to <laughs> social media, first of all, I, I hate the fact that I even check social media in the morning. I, have, <laughs> I am so serious. That's I the am, world we live in, right? It's in front of us. It's everywhere. Yes. So I, what I have done is that I have, I got two phones, like I'm Kevin Gates. And so yep. <laughs> on my, um, my work phone, which I'm the most tempted to check first, mm-hmm. I, I do not have Instagram or any kind of social right. media apps. Um, but I do have the Bible app. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm tempted to pick up my work phone, the first thing I'm going to do is just read the little Bible app story, read my devotional. And that's how I'm going to start the day. Oh, girl, that's the best way to start. You sound like me, non-negotiable. Got to do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) like go ahead and do it today. The, the look, did you see that today? The person in the story was Kirk Franklin. Yes, girl. Oh, so you version. Oh my gosh. You read the same devotion. I love that. Yes. I love his, his word. Like you said, girl, the only way we can start it. We love the business we're in, but because we have to have our, I call it, put our armor on. So that anywhere I am in the world, Shay, I must do my devotion because I need Jesus, my cup of Jesus in the morning. Listen, I did that. I I, uh, watched the Bible app um, devotional. I did the stories. I'm reading a devotional in there. And then I actually watched, um, and we're going to get on track soon, listeners, but y'all going to get this conversation. So then I watched um, the, I did not realize this, but the Shade Room has like a Christian YouTube arm called the same room and I did not realize they were even related (laughs) until the woman who owns the shade room was on there and I was like oh TSR TSR so anyway um it was Megan Good and Erica Campbell and they the conversation was about protecting black women and what does that sound what what is that from a community perspective, a white allyship perspective, but also an internal and personal perspective. How are you protecting yourself um, and self-care? And at one point, 
um, they were talking about, you know, making sure uh, Erica Campbell was talking about it. And she was like, to your point that being in this industry and the things that you're going to face and the things that you see or, you know, are presented with on a daily basis, you got to have on that armor. You got to yeah. be close to God. And, and she talked about that in, in the episode I watched today. It's pretty good. Love it, Shay. So you get, sounds like you get started right every day. That Look, that's why you're killing the game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I try to, but then it, it still don't matter because then I, I wrap up the Bible. And as soon as I wrap it up, it's like, oh. you know, eating your vegetables before you can, you know, move on to dessert. Because the phone is on fire. It's a text it's, or it's an email or it's something. Because I often tell people, we as lawyers, um, we love what we do, but we say our clients, they love us. We love them, but they are not calling us to grab ice cream. We are putting a fire out. We're solving a problem. We're trying to get to that money for them. So nine times out of 10, they're hitting us up and they're like, yeah, how are we going to get to the finish line? So we have to, again, put our armor on because we have to be what we need to be for ourselves and for several other people in the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it was like, I put that down. I checked my work email because we're at the end of the year. Um, we're at the end of the music industry year and everybody is um, trying to wrap up. And so I checked my emails, but then I checked social media and ooh, let's go ahead and dive on into this article that came across my timeline. It was from Wrap Up and it was a report that Lil Wayne's Universal Music Group deal included Drake and Nicki Minaj's masters. And um, I want to, for my listeners, I want to um, just, just give a little bit of background. And again, I'm reading from wrapup.com. It says, Little Wayne is taking young money all the way to the bank. Back in June, the rapper reportedly sold his masters to Universal Music Group as a part of a deal valued in excess of $100 million. The nine-figure price tag was actually revealed as part of a lawsuit brought on by Wayne's former manager, Ronald Sweeney. Now, Music Business Worldwide has shared more details from the lawsuits. Y'all need to keep in mind these lawsuits are public records, which, <laughs> which claims that the deal for Young Money's entire catalog of masters included Drake and Nicki Minaj. Just to read a little bit further, and then I'll, I'll let you chime in here, Amy. It says, um, the deal reportedly includes Drake's hit albums such as Take Care, Nothing Was the Same, and views up until 2018 Scorpion. Um, it says his, his latest project, which I didn't even know he had a project out, was called Dark Lane Demo Tapes, was released on his own label. So this is the first year he's even released something that wasn't under uh, cash money. And the Nikki albums that are included in this are Pink Friday and The Pink Print. Mm. And... Uh, that's the baby in the bathwater. So, um, <laughs> so, woo, all right, give me your initial reactions to that. I read the article in real time, like, um, Shay, like just a couple hours ago, and I was like, what? My first reaction, again, given context, Jay, I know you can say the same thing. Very little surprises us in this industry, especially music, but this one, I'm not gonna lie. I was a bit shocked because I was like, why? That was the first response I had to be really honest with you. When I saw the headline, I was like, why? Because 
I know we, you know, I've known the very public um, battle that um, Little Wayne has gone through with, you know, cash money. And they seem to have gotten that together. So I thought everything was good on the home front. But for this one, I don't, I, I just, the why keeps coming. It, I don't know or see why it would be a money move. I'm just a bit confused. I'm not confused about too, too much in this, but I'm a bit confused as to what, what that looks like. I, it just makes me wonder not that he owes it to any of them because he is the owner. You all, this is the importance of when people own masters, they could do things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have to have these conversations with the artist or these artists, but the nature of their relationship, especially the closeness with which, you know, Drake and Lil Wayne seem to have, did these artists know that's where my why keeps coming from? Why? And then did you have a dialogue with them? I don't know. We're not in these private rooms, but that's what it leads to because I can imagine to them, it feels like based on the bond it appears they have, that will feel like, you know, um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to call it sabotage because both of them are at the point I feel like that they could purchase their masters back, meaning, you know, little, um, meaning Drake and um, Nicki Minaj. So yeah. I don't know. I just, it just made me wonder to answer your question, Shay, how they felt about it. But again, it brought me back to what we know already: the importance you all as much as you can. If you can't own all of your masters, own most of it, have control over some of it because things like this, you can wake up in an article, note, you, you'll see that somebody has sold your masters. Very similar to Taylor Swift. Let's not go down that road and Scooter Braun. <laughs> this, I, I, I think, I here's the thing. I, I want to... I want to take this with a grain of salt. (laughs) I want to take it with a grain of salt because we are reading from um, a litigation pleading. And so for people who are listening, who are not lawyers or who may be lawyers, but don't do litigation, I want to give um, the caveat that pleadings are not fact, Mm -hmm. that just because you wrote something in a lawsuit pleading, which is where this information is being, um, uh, you know, pulled from does not mean that it's true. And this is just the allegation of the person suing. So this is the manager who is now suing Little Wayne and he is alleging that this is the value of the deal. But when you go to court, the purpose of going to court is to determine the facts, to present evidence, to determine the facts and the damages and any any wrongful actions. And so once you move forward in the trial, if the court decides that this should move forward to trial, they will do discovery and and uh, Little Wayne may have to turn over his documents and his agreements to either confirm or deny the amounts that this manager is alleging Little Wayne made. So I do want to give that caveat that he's saying he sold it for only a hundred million, but it may be substantially more, or I, I hold my breath to say it may be substantially less. I hope, I hope not, but I say to say that I hope it's substantially more. I know that's that's why I made the comment earlier. I'm like, what? Because it's just like the catalogs of the artists we're talking about, right? And those albums, like to your point, um, Shay, where we were talking about just let's stand alone, like Nicki Minaj, you know, that Pink Friday album. Let's not talk about Drake and all his albums. And we know the units and the numbers that were sold there, right? You know, so to your point, I'm glad you gave that caveat. And then the number. And I know it's relative, you know, to some listeners or different people, but like, if you're talking numbers and catalogs and value, yeah, we would expect it to be more than, you know, a hundred million. 
I mean, absolutely. And then here's the thing, even if, and I, I've seen various people on, on the internet saying this. So even if Universal came to the table, because I know that they also um, bought like Bob Dylan's uh, yes. catalog, right? But even if Universal came to the table and just, just slapped me in the face and disrespected me with a hundred million dollars, I'm little, like I'm little, like I'm just Seriously, and you and I are thinking the same thing. It's like, come on, like I'm not new to the game. Like this is somebody who if I'm, I'm speaking as if I were a little away, right? Um, so it's like it's like I'm not new to this, right? So to your point, it's just it's very. And then obviously these come these um this came out in the pleadings. To your point, I'm glad you gave that caveat to say what made me scratch my head is literally this happened six months ago, which is, you know, in the business transaction is, is, is not supposed to be disclosed for the world. But I, you know, it just makes me curious, like, and then now even just the inner workings of the manager who has now been terminated, who is suing, you know, just the mess that comes out of all of this, right? You know, so again, it goes back to my why and like, oof, you know, like, you know, um, the chips are falling and what's happening, what does that mean for um, young money and it always goes back to the conversation of trust right client yeah. um, the, the artist excuse me and the label and you know as you're building this trust you're like these masters but you all when these contracts are being signed the verbiage is in there it's app it is absolutely in there and it's I, I think the last thing that I want to say on this is that um the thing is, is that sometimes you understand what you're signing up for. Um, I know that, you know, Drake had been in um, the industry, you know, prior to making it in music. I um, am not super familiar with Nicki Minaj, but I know that she went to like a performing arts school or, you know, like something like, like none of this is kind of new. And so sometimes you may know what you're signing up for, where you're like, I want this chance at stardom. I get what I'm I'm signing away. You know, you and I have had conversations about that where a lawyer may tell you, hey, this is what you're signing away. Yeah. But you think about when you get to a certain point in your career, Drake got a hundred million dollars. Like Wayne, like, you know what I mean? Yep. Nick, yep. Nikki got a hundred million. They could have gave you a combined 200 mil and That's all that went all your way. That's why I'm tripping about. Remember that was a part of my why. I was like, they probably, if again, like you said, given the caveat, if, these numbers, this number is correct. If all the these things, you know, pan out to be facts, then individually they have that money. You see what I'm saying? So it's like disrespectful to them almost. And then if that underlying bond is supposed to be there, at least sell my masters back to me is what I would think because it's not like it's a talk of, oh, I would do it, but you don't have the money. They more than have it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that, um, you know, this is completely different and we're not going to go down the rabbit hole, but this is completely different than the Scooter Braun, Taylor Swift, you know, convert these that's apples and oranges. So I hope that nobody in their internet lawyerdom, internet clubhouse music industry (laughs) decides to compare the two scenarios because those are apples and oranges. All I say is that I hope that the truth comes to light. Um, I hope that all of them involved, Nikki, Lil Wayne, and Drake somehow are afforded an opportunity to own their masterpieces. Like those are classic albums that are in there. So I I want ownership for everybody. I want everybody to win. So I 
I hope that this works out um, amongst the parties. And we know that only a small percent of cases actually go to trial. So I really hope that they um, they resolve this and are, are able to, to settle it. I agree. My sentiments exactly. And I'm glad you said the apples and oranges too. I probably shouldn't even mention that case. It just leads me down the path of sort of just the master's talk, like what happens, what happens. But yes, you all completely different cases. <laughs> completely. So I thank you for indulging me in that. You guys, I love to talk about things that are in the headlines because I know you guys are talking about them. And so it's actually great to engage a fellow uh, entertainment attorney on the show to have the conversation so you guys aren't just hearing it from me but that is not why I have Amy on the show today I want to talk about the work that she is doing with her firm um, with creatives in international spaces and um, I think for all of us we want to expand our reach we want to expand our impact and I think especially as creatives and creative entrepreneurs when you are doing something with your passion, your heart, I think it's everybody's dream that it reaches the world. But how do you do that um, the right way? What should you have set up? How do you legally protect yourself? And that is the conversation that I, I invited Amy onto the show to talk about today. So um, just like I said, I'm super excited to have her here. First things first, Amy, let's dive in correctly pronounce your last name <laughs> so last name is arefo so amy arefo so um phonetics people will do o h and then ray like ray of sunshine and the foe so uh, amy arefo all right y'all you hear it now <laughs> arefo amy arefo get it right y'all <laughs> learn how to pronounce all these other Name. Tell them, Shay. <laughs> Let them know. I have six letters in my last name. I know it's a lot more vowels that people may be used to digesting, but O R A E F O, Amy Arefo. Thank you for that. Like you said, people could do 12 letter last names, but they'll be like, excuse me, ma'am, how do you say your last name? <laughs> And it's like, um, it's like, you know how to pronounce like Dirk Nowinski or you know, whatever, all these letters that consonants that go together with no vowels. It's like, how did you manage that? But you can't pronounce my name correctly. <laughs> Thanks, Shay, for, for acknowledging that. I appreciate you. <laughs> no problem. All right. So with that, tell us about your practice, how long you've been practicing and what you do. Okay, so my practice um, is I am originally, I'll go back, but I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, but let's go back even further. I always, people ask me where I'm from, I was like, from or from from, right? Like, so I am first generation American born to Nigerian parents. Um, so I'm Nigerian and I was born and raised um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, moved to Atlanta, Georgia nine years ago. And I often tell people best decision one of the best decisions of my life to move here. Um, started my practice, Amy Arepo PC, it's a boutique law firm where I work. Um, the crux of my clients are in music. It's my passion, my heart. I was a trained dancer in my former life, as I like to say. So I was an artist for several years of my life and I did not pursue that professionally. So I always said, if I didn't do it professionally, I have to, I must, it's mandatory that I represent other creatives for me to feel fulfilled and to um, you know, walk in you know, one of my passions. So 
that was very intentional. I, mean, I didn't stumble upon entertainment. We all have different stories. It was very intentional about, Lord, I don't know all the details, but I know I want to do this and we will figure out how to get there. Um, so with that being said, I um, moved to Atlanta at the end of 2011. And if people remember that time, we were still very much in a recession. Um, so moved to Atlanta and I was like, okay, nobody's hiring. I always was very entrepreneurial. I didn't exactly plan to open my own law firm. I thought I have another business in another area or, uh, or space or practice. Um, but I was like, I would just go, you know, work in-house. I was in-house counsel in, in North Carolina for the year after I graduated from law school, graduated from law school in 2010. And then I came down, but a recession means nobody's hiring. So with that, I was like, okay, Lord, I hear you. If I'm gonna start from the ground up, I'm gonna start working with the types of people I've always had a passion for. You all, that's great, but practically speaking, you move to a city, I don't know anybody professionally, don't have a client, you do all that. So I'm giving the real to show how it looks. So I move here, but that's when it, you have to bet on yourself and literally one foot in front of the next. What does that look like? I you know, had to build the book of business. You have to meet people, shake hands, kiss babies. That consisted of me going to lunch, coffee, dinner, um, um, you know, rinse and repeat four times a week, right? Just getting out there so people will know, hey, I'm here. They'll even know, you know, people can't work with you if they don't know you exist. So just doing that and, you know, by the grace of God, you do that for a few years and, um, you know, people start to remember that you practice in this area and staying intentional about like, I work in the entertainment space, doing music contracts and IP, right? So I wanted to put myself out and brand myself like that. And then, um, you know, slowly but surely the clients and the opportunities come and putting your head down and working and from that your clients grow and go to other fields um, and practice areas. So my clients, as I mentioned, are in music, um, they're in comedy, um, in the podcasting space. Um, and then, you know, through those roles, it sometimes leads to TV and various things within entertainment. Awesome. And I mean, giving the real, I, I've given my story. I'm not, not on this podcast, but on a few interviews, um, there is um, one of my sorors has a podcast called the Get Your Life Tour. And it's uh, Lydia T. Blanco. And so I have told a similar story because I came out of law school in 09. So I have a, a very, very similar story of the hustle. And I appreciate you giving the real because people see the wins, but they don't see the, the work and the kids and babies or rent. Yep. Yep. rent repeat. Being broke, all of that. <laughs> all of it. So I, I, I mentioned to the listeners that I have you on here today because I want to talk about um, moving in international spaces and how to protect yourself and set yourself up. Can you talk a bit about that aspect of that kind of work that you're doing with your clients and whether you always knew that you were going to work with, you know, clients here and abroad or, you know, or did that kind of come about because of your background? Excellent. Thank you, Shay. Um, so, yes, it always was an interest of mine. Just being raised as um, a first generation American, I always had a global mindset because my parents, you know, are Nigerian. They live here in this country, but, you know, they've experienced other things. So naturally, as much as possible, I was raised in a Nigerian home in America. So with that came a strong passion to always go back to what I refer to as home, right? Nigeria's home. Um, so I, I actually have dual citizenship here in the United States and in Nigeria. So it's, 
you know, going back home to work with artists. So, you know, when I was younger, I obviously didn't know, have all the details, know what that would look like. But as I started practicing, it became intentional in branding, um, in going to meetings and letting people know, oh, you know, when you're having these conversations, maybe your, your producer should look into, you know, this is when it's so funny, like Afrobeats, everybody pays attention to it now. But I remember being one of the people like, y'all need to like, check out what's up next like years ago and people are like oh I don't know the sound sounds sort of awkward and then all of a sudden we know in music like people love it right so it's it's one of those things just being a person to, to say like you bet on this space and I'm telling you like if you want to be in Nigeria I know what it looks like there are amazing opportunities to do business don't listen to what media says and just being that person that that um person that's willing to educate and empower people and let them know like there's a whole you know specifically starting in Nigeria obviously my affinities there because I'm Nigerian and then expanding but letting people know even if you don't choose Nigeria my heart's on the continent so it's the continent of Africa that's where a lot of my artists um, that I work with are in the U.S. in Nigeria um, had a deal or two in South Africa you know in West Africa and Ghana um so it's just there and just my my goal is to help them you know it's getting placements get opportunities so everybody on either side could do global business so to answer your question yes I always have been globally minded I didn't know exactly how it's going to pan out but then when I felt like there's a time I'm building like I said I wanted to build a practice where I was like, Lord, if I'm starting over and we're starting this thing from scratch and I'm going to be broke and I'm going to build one brick at a time, it has to look the way I want. And I knew that's when, you know, I started building the practice that I want to always let artists here know that there's a lot of dope stuff going on in the continent and vice versa. So were you, uh, was it a I told you so moment <laughs> when Afrobeat really started to pick up popularity here in the States? Yeah, it was one of those, like, you don't want to like, you know, keep people when they're down, but it's like, y'all, like, it's one of those, like, dry tone shades, like, I've been telling y'all about this for, like, three years, like, you know, <laughs> like, like, the actual tone, like, I've been saying this, but it then, it, it's tongue-in-cheek there, um, some truth to jest, but then also, but really, what I'm happy about is that we did, meaning we as in America, I always say America was a little late to the dance in that capacity, because in Europe, you all, they've been bumping Afrobeats, because I know it may be a proximity matter too, because obviously the continent of Europe is closer than the continent of Africa, but you go to France, you go to England, what do you mean? They know, they've known these records for years, but here in the States, um, we were a little late to catch on, so all that mattered to me is that we caught on, because for all of us, but especially those of us in the African diaspora, meaning all of us of Black descent, like I was just happy that we, we there's so much for us to be proud of, and that's not always portrayed in the media. So for me, with all honesty, I was just happy that we were proud of some things that were coming from the continent. I know the continent is dope, but I'm just glad that now people stateside could fully appreciate it. Do you feel, how do you, what do you feel, if anything, on um Beyonce including so much talent from the diaspora in um Black is King and kind of putting artists that maybe weren't on people's radars here in the States on on their radars now via being included in the project. I loved every moment of it and one interesting um tidbit about Beyonce and Jay-Z which everything is not always publicized. Um, but I just remember having a recollection of 
they've been doing shows and you know dipping in and out specifically I could tell you Nigeria that I know um but and then I believe South Africa so they've had an underlying sort of love and interest and intrigue in the continent and I just think they quietly spent some time fully educated themselves a couple of years ago um the Global Citizens Fest was in Johannesburg and I've gone out there um with two of my older sisters to go to the conference you all first of all I'm always looking for an excuse to go on a continent, by the way. <laughs> so, I just wanted to put that caveat. I'm like, oh, somebody said something's going, a meeting, go on. okay, I'm going. Like, and then it's like, so, because I feel recharged, re-energized, you're home. And I, I challenge anybody um, of the African diaspora, step onto one of the 54 countries and you'll feel home as well. So we went there and Beyonce was the, um, Beyonce and Jay-Z were the, um, they were the headliners. And you all, after that, what people don't see after that is they spent two weeks in Johannesburg, right? These are things that they don't cover, but they were, I'm sure at that time, I'm pretty sure, because it was two years ago, it was December, 2018. I'm sure they were picking up these tidbits of knowledge of learning the culture as much as they could in that time. So these are things that happened that obviously people don't always read in an article or see that now leads to a blackest king where they're grabbing an artist because otherwise how would they have context to know who to work with, right? I know their team is reaching out to people but you need to be on the ground for certain things so that they can grab this talent here from Ghana, this talent here from South Africa, this talent here from Kenya, Nigeria because you all, no, the regions are completely, the countries are different but the regions and the sounds are completely different. I I appreciate you saying that because I think there is so much that goes under the radar um, and, uh, you know, for good or for bad, right? Um, but I, it's like layers of work, layers of research, layers of experience, but just like layers of, of being there and being in the flesh <laughs> um, and, and being in touch and having your hand on the pulse. And so I think on that same note, when you have your hand on the pulse, you're working with clients that, you know, have these contracts in West Africa, South Africa, you know, here in the States, what are some of the challenges that you face representing people in all these different spaces do you need to know the law in all these places like how what what are like some of the big challenges that you face with clients operating in all of these different international spaces oh i love that question so as you can imagine shay it's layered so to answer um, the last question you said, it's a, relationships are key. So as I'm going to these places, I'm building relationships. So for example, if there's a deal in Nigeria under Nigerian law, I'm going to co-counsel that I've established a relationship when I went to Medem in, um, in France, or when I went to Joburg for um, Global Citizens Fest, or when I went back to Nigeria, whether it was to see family and made, you know, business meetings and deals out of that. So as I'm going, you're collecting, you know, in the business of collecting relationships, you can never know too many people. So then when the deal comes to activate, boom, I can go to co-counsel there because it's under Nigerian law and I'm licensed here in the um, US specifically in Georgia, right? So then I need somebody on ground to co-counsel with me for my client who has an agreement that the Nigerian artist wants to handle under Nigerian law. So that's what it looks like practically. And then let's just say that I get there, maybe I haven't, it's a respective country, I don't have co-counsel. I'm reaching out to somebody in Nigeria that I've worked with 
to say, do you know someone in Kenya? And that's really how it goes in the relationships because, you know, it's, and in, including people in the, in the ecosystem, in the universe. And then you all, it's an amazing feeling because you're putting dollars back into someone's pocket. Yeah. It looks like you, right? So that to me is, I can't explain how gratifying that is. So I'm actually going into this deal with co-counsel. They're getting paid, they're on the ground. And then you, we just keep the dollar circulating in our community because that's imperative. Um, so that's there. And then some challenge. Some challenges as far as the talent could be sometimes. Um, that's one passion of mine while, where I've gone back to um, Lagos a couple of times to speak about music publishing. And music publishing rights are still very much, I'm, you know, working on, we're working on the infrastructure within the continent specific countries. So there's an understanding there, but sort of building and executing um, um, publishing while we're still working on, you know, um, expediting that matter. So what does that look like? You're talking to an, an artist about, oh yeah, you music publishing and they look at you like, what? You know, like it's because maybe they had just been signing work for hire agreements. We're like, no, no, no. The goal is by the time we leave there to change that mindset, right? To say you are entitled to your money on the front end as whether it comes in advance or payment and then back in royalties, which is what we call generational wealth, real income, the building. So a lot of that is educating and empowering the artist to say, why are we, um, you know, driving this point home is because I want you to have money that when we're talking right now, you're making money on a record, right? So educating people in that aspect. I like it. I have a client, uh, George, and he runs a company called Melanin Money. He has a podcast called the Uncensored Podcast. And he talks about um, just like financial wellness and building generational wealth. And he calls what you were talking about the sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. When you are making bags as you sleep, that right. <laughs> I might have to take that from your client. Y'all gonna have beef, he gonna come after you, but yeah. I, I know, right? Look, I don't want any trouble. I'll just stick to my generational wealth and residual income, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it though, but there are so many foundational things that you need to put in place in order for that to even be a possibility. And what I see a lot happening, especially with creatives and creative entrepreneurs, is that they're so busy creating or they're so passionate about the creation that they uh, kind of uh, shrink away from mm -hmm. doing the administrative stuff, the foundational stuff that's going to end up getting them paid yes. and paid long-term for their creative work. And so if you had um, advice and let me give my legal disclaimer now that we are lawyers but we are not your lawyer if you yeah. are listening and so this podcast is for information purposes only and does not replace the need for you to get individualized legal support from a licensed professional who is experienced in the field in which you are working and so with that <laughs> disclaimer out there um, what are common mistakes that you see as it relates to creatives not having their business in order? What are the most common things that they don't have in order that you think from a business perspective, especially if you're seeking to do business internationally, that you should have in order? Oh, I love this question, Shay. Yes, it's um, treating yourself, first to start with the mindset, treating yourself as a business or an entity, right? You're offering a service, but you know, you're a vessel, it's a God-given service, but God gave you that gift and you can monetize it. And that's when, that's why we're in the music business, you all. We always drive that point home with business. So that looks like establishing a company in your respective um, jurisdiction. So if you're in Georgia, 
I'll just use where we are now. If you're in Georgia, set up an entity, right? Go and set up an entity um, just for ease of example, I'll say ABC Music LLC, right? So you start a company, figure out which type of entity, whether it's an LLC, an incorporation, and um, LLC meaning a limited liability company, an incorporation, or a different type of um, uh, company, but just get protected. So you'll have, as I call it, a cocoon from liability, God forbid, of any lawsuits or anything. So you're called, that's called a loan out company. So you will be signed as an artist to your company. Let me not do signed. You will be the owner of your company because sign, we know their terms of arts and everything. So um, you'll, you will be the owner of your company and you will loan yourself out to furnish services when you are asked to write a song, when you're asked to produce a track, then your company will be paid for the services that you render. So that is, you know, when people are doing business, you want to do business with the company and it protects liability. So that's always very helpful, both, you know, in the US and overseas when it's time to, you know, get that favorite, time that people like send over the invoice in the W-9 or whatever the case is to get paid, you want to be under there as a company. It just makes business cleaner and it protects you from personal liability. So that's the first step. It's just having, um, offering your services on your entity. The next thing is, I would say the artists or content creators that are dependent on the team to do it all. You all, you have a team. If you're at the place in your journey where you, you know, are blessed to have, you know, the lawyer, the manager, or whoever else is on your team, then, and I say blessed because I get it, everybody's independent, you know, you have to put one foot in front of the next, the budget may not be there yet, but when you're there, still when your team is there, they're your team to help to be resources, but nobody can want this more than you, meaning you have to have, it at the very least, a 30,000 foot view of what this looks like. You need to know what's going on in your business. If your lawyer is negotiating these contracts on your behalf, you need to know the gist of what's going on. Of course, they'll be in there to get through the weeds with you. Your manager, you know, these opportunities, you need to know how to build your brand. You need to know how to market yourself as well, right? You can have people to help you with this, but you can't throw your hands up and say, oh, they got it, right? So having a hands-off approach as artists that I could see could be problematic. And then, like you said, you know, not, they don't want to get caught in the administrative side, but you need to know how this business works to excel and have longevity in this business. I absolutely agree. You can't know if the people who are in charge of your business are is if they're running your business correctly, if you don't know how business should be run, mm -hmm. you know, and so when you think about opportunity costs, neither one of us right now are preaching of like, yes, you should try to wear all hats and you should try to do everything and you should be an expert at everything. That's absolutely not what we're saying. At the point that you can do it, go ahead and hire professionals who absolutely know what they're doing because we don't want you to guess at certain levels in your career but we do want you to know the bare minimums <laughs> you know? absolutely right that's the criteria so that you won't just be and not you all not nod your head like i got it don't be afraid to ask your lawyer questions we're here to be transparent to answer like why are you going so hard in this deal point or what does this mean there that's not a crazy question right like just ask it and then ask your manager like have the conversations about where you see your brand going, right? This is your vision. This is your brand. It's your life. So I'll ask these questions. Like we welcome it from you all. Absolutely. A lot of my favorite clients, they always say to me, I know that I probably get on your nerves because I have a million questions. And I'm always like, no, I'm glad that you are asking questions. I'm glad that you care enough about your business that you actually looked at this document. Absolutely. Absolutely, Shay. We're saying the same thing because if they're just looking at you like um with like a deer with you know caught in the headlights and you're like, you didn't 
like you didn't check it out you don't even know what's going on right like you know so you want them to have an idea what's going on into this business transaction where they may be signing to commit to two years three years x amount of money you know they need to know what's going on absolutely absolutely and so when we're talking about getting foundational things i get invited to talk to people about going to law school all the time or people message me i'm sure they message you all the time like hey i want to be an entertainment attorney you know can you talk to me about what you're doing or x y and z and one of the books that i always refer to people who are just trying to figure out about the music industry is all you need to know about the music business by donald passman mm -hmm. um and all I just, of us have read it in this industry <laughs> like seriously <laughs> it is like the grail it is the music industry bible and he diligently updates it and keeps it up to date as things change in the industry but it's such a great reference i always jokingly tell people but it's the truth he has made it like a goosebump style choose your own adventure where it's like if you want to get into the details of this read yep. on if yep. you just skip go to page 97 <laughs> Yes, I love I love that you referenced that. I was like, I used to love reading those books when I was younger, like you said. So it takes you on different journeys and paths. But yeah, that is exactly. And so, can you think of maybe two or three um, key resources or books that you would tell a creative that, hey, if you want to do business and you specifically want to do business internationally, these are some key resources, books, or even people you should be checking out as you, as you think about building out your business. I love it. So definitely I co-signed the all you need to know about the music business. Seriously, you all like as far as summing things up in this industry, I like like you said, it doesn't get better than that, in my opinion, like the that book. Um, and then I would say internationally, a lot of it is you all. So Shay, it may not be exactly a person. It's more so like being open and building relationships with people, you all will take you global. I know that sounds low, like, sounds like, did you answer the question? Yeah, because that's how a lot of these relationships came. People would see my last name or be something that's coming, it's like, where's that from? Then we start a whole conversation about, oh, you're Nigerian? And I didn't know these people are strangers. Oh, I know this person. So I would tell you just being open to have a conversation or just going somewhere and just being okay, like, I'm, I'm intrigued to, you know, license my music global, you never know who you're talking to. That's where a lot of this stuff has come from. I didn't know that people may have um, interest in, you know, doing a song with an artist in Ghana. I'm like, give me a second. Let me see if I can work that out. And that's how it literally has happened. So just be open and be intentional in your conversation. So some of the things if let's say you want to do um, work with an artist in Nigeria, you all, it's at your fingertips with social media. You see the artist, you like the sound. Let's say you heard a couple of songs, you're like, you know, I like the way they really sound. Some of these people have on their, let's just use IG, for example, their social media platforms. They'll have, if it's whether it's their management or they'll have, you know, a tag to somebody who works on their team, or sometimes you may be able to DM them. So you, you know, do not negate the power of connecting at your fingertips on social media. I would just say that's the best way, really, because, you know, that that's um bringing everyone in front of you now it's a big wide world but now we can get to people you know them like for example six hours ahead in nigeria right now but if i send somebody a message now let's say they don't check it by tomorrow when i'm sleep you know i'm sleeping tonight i can have a message in my dm or email so take advantage of social media to reach out to people shoot your shot if, if you're interested in working with the artist 
yeah, you may be like, they may never see it, but that may be the day they see it. Or maybe they'll shoot it over to their, I don't know, lawyer or manager who's doing that and then can reach out to you. You never know. So just be bold in your request and be intentional and use social media as your platform to really navigate this. Amy, give some tips. So you just told people to shoot shots via social media. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I have shot mine. I have built some I've built some really great relationships, even gained some clients mm-hmm. via social media, just consistently interacting with people on social media. And then I didn't even proactively seek them out as clients, but when they had a IP or contract need, because we'd interacted so often, they knew that was what I did. They then reached out to me and was like, hey, I need this trademark. Can you do this for me? And I had never, you know, attempted to pitch them, you know, any kind of business like that. But I see all the time, especially in the music industry, that people are in comments or, you know, in my clients' DMs and they're like, hey, listen to my mixtape. Can you listen to my new release? Here's a link to my Spotify page. What is a tip, a pro-level tip on building meaningful connections via DM or social media, especially in the music industry? Oh, yes, Jay. So look, I would tell people, like I said earlier, be intentional, you all. Be strategic. Don't. When I say shoot your shot, I meant, and in, in, let me clarify that, in a very strategic, intentional type of way, right? Let's just say, for example, if Shay and I are gonna connect, I'm gonna do some research on her. Don't, you know, I'm saying this with all due respect to anybody, don't waste your time or anybody else's in the best way, meaning that you're just like, yeah, check this out. Because as much as the person may wanna check your song out, doesn't mean you're not dope. It's just, there are probably a hundred more requests where that came from. And there are other things you need to do, you know, the responsibilities. But if it came in the form of, oh, Shay, I noticed that, we're from the same hometown, or I noticed that you represent this person and I went to college with them. Find a commonality, you all. We're humans. Appeal to the human level. Again, be intentional, be strategic. Once you've done that, somebody's like, let me check this out. It, you know, it breeds curiosity. So, but if you're just like, yeah, check this link out, not that somebody doesn't want to check it out. We have a thousand other things to do. But if there's some commonality or even build a good rapport with people around you and if they know the person you want to get connected with, ask for an e-intro, ask for an intro. That that cuts through a lot. You know, Shay were to send somebody my way, I'm answering that immediately, right? Off the strength of our relationship and vi- you know, vice versa. And that's how it is. So I would say be very intentional in your approach. And sometimes people try to go straight to the talent. That's fine. I'm not trying to, you know, Shay, get our inboxes or anything inundated, but I'm just trying to say also too, look at the team around them. If you see some, sometimes you could be, you know, we, we move differently as lawyers. You may not always know who we work with all the time, but if you find out, maybe you go and say, maybe not this artist. Okay, I know a lot of people are going to this artist but I noticed that this is their publicist or this is their manager. Or I've seen a picture, this is their lawyer. Again, finding the commonalities, being honest and authentic in your approach and then shoot your shot. I appreciate that. I do. I I will say that um, the indirect method, if of all the things that Amy has talked about today, I I will vouch for them. And I will tell you that the indirect way has been great for me. Um, Back when I thought that I wanted a corporate job, if I saw a position that was interesting, you know, that I was interested in applying for, I would actually go on LinkedIn and 
find the person who had just left a company where mm-hmm. like that was their previous employer as of the month before. Yeah. And I would then message them and say, hey, I saw that you just left Coca-Cola last month. They have a position there that I'm interested in. Would you be willing to talk to me about your experience there? And and nine times out of 10, people will respond because if it was a mess, they would be like, sis, it is a train <laughs> over there. Do yeah. not mess with it. And if they had a good experience where they're like, oh, I loved it there. I just got a, a better opportunity. I would then leverage it to be like, oh, really? Well, would you mind making, would you be open to making a warm introduction to the hiring manager? manager or the recruiting team, you know, for this. And I mean, it worked, it worked like a charm. Ah, you all, do y'all hear that kind (laughs) of pristine strategy? That's what I'm talking about. When you land like that, people are almost like, what else do you need something else? Right. They're going to bend over backwards to help you. So that's the kind of like, iron, like clad, like laser focus intention. We're talking about Shay. Now that's a move. Like I'm telling you, or, or just like congrats. And I will also say this, be genuine. Like there are a lot of people like making moves and you obviously look up to them for a reason, or you want them to hear your music for a reason. Like if you see something in the news, that's awesome. Or they just got an award or some kind of recognition or a promotion, like send them a message of just congrats and just leave it at that and be genuine and like Like be no at, like you said, no ask attached to it, right? Celebrate people who doesn't like to be celebrated, right? (laughs) Yeah, and and they'll remember that and people will see your face. And so just like Amy said at the very beginning of the episode that it's gonna be, as you're building your career, especially in creative industries, it's gonna be a lot of shaking hands and kissing babies. And we mean that in the most COVID friendly way. This was all pre-COVID talk, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like fists bumping elbows and Zooming, you know, whatever the the post-COVID translation of that'll be. But it is, and it's going to be sometimes people seeing your face over and over again. But also there are people who are watching you move and I would say continue to build your business so that by the time you do need to reach back out to somebody you've met for help or just like Amy said, said they now saw that she built her brand in this way and that was how she built her book of business that is how people reached back out to her so I think Amy these were all super super good tips I appreciate you coming and sharing your insights you guys I am going to have um in the show notes, of course, the the link to uh, maybe the Amazon page for the all you need to know about the music business. Amy, are there any like forums or rooms or accounts where you can kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on internationally? Let's see. I'm trying to think of what's on the continent. If there's something, um, I would say. Um, no, you have me thinking. I'm actually like looking up in the sky. I'm like, what's a good one? So there are um, Amplify Africa. I would tell you all, that's one. It's one of my um, colleagues. He's out of LA, Nigerian fellow, such as myself. It's a place called Amplify Africa. Start there. I say that because I wanted to think of a great resource. And that sort of talks about, as it says, across the continent. That's one good resource just to say, this Kenyan artist, 
this, um, you know, Moroccan artist is there and that sort of leads to other articles. So Amplify Africa would be one place I'll leave. I'm trying to think about other places, but that's a good practical source that talks about entertainment, business and all of that going on in the continent of Africa. All right, perfect. So I'll put the link to that also in the show notes. If you think of something between when we record and when the episode comes out, definitely let me know and I'll drop it down below. Um, I What I would like to do now is transition us to our social minute. Perfect. All right, Amy, welcome to the social minute segment of the show. This is where I encourage my listeners not just to make an impact in their careers and in their business, but in their community and the world around them. When I have guests on the show, I would love for um, them to share what are causes and community organizations that are close to your heart or that you may be affiliated with that you would like to share with our audience today? Oh, yes. So um, I know, Shay, we are women of faith. So for me, it always starts with my faith. One organization um, that I love, I read the devotion every day. It's called In Touch Ministries here in Atlanta. I love um, their organization, their nonprofit, because what it does is it gets, you know, the word out to people across the world who normally may not have access to the world through, you know, different, um, excuse me, to the word, through different devices. They have like what's called a messenger where somebody can hear sometimes for the first time have heard the Bible on this device. So I love In Touch Ministries based out of Atlanta, other organizations that um, tug at my heartstrings. I'm a product of the Boys and Girls Club. Um, um, I'm from North Carolina originally, so I was a member of the Boys and Girls Club for a lot of my formative years, so I can't speak highly enough about them. And then other causes that touch my heart, huge about homelessness. Nobody should be homeless in my book. So, you know, there's the Gateway Center here in um, Atlanta. There's Hosea Feed the Hungry, Salvation Army. So all those kinds of places when I see, you know, and now in this COVID time, like people can't eat, you know? So there's the Atlanta Food Bank, different food banks. So I just try to, you know, as much as I can look into different things to see, but definitely those are some things that tug at my heartstring, the homelessness um, issue, and then also making sure that people have, you know, some food in their belly. And then also when the world was open and people were at boys and girls clubs, um, then just having a place for mentorship for young kids is like boys and girls. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all of those. I always see the in touch uh, devotionals at the dry cleaners every yeah. time I go to the dry cleaners. Oh my joints. What I tell you, in addition to like, you know, like we're seeing a scripture with the U version app and the Bible app, then I, I read my in touch ministry. So, of course, because my spirit is so fed with them, like I make sure I, you know, sow back into them as a charitable cause. But they're right here in Atlanta. Um, and like I said, they, definitely get the word across the world you know for the missionaries there that's where the funds go straight to help them get the word to people across all every country that is awesome awesome work and much needed in all three aspects i can't tell you how many people i know have been impacted um as adults because in their youth they were a part of a boys and girls club and so i really hope that you know now that the vaccine is being circulated and hopefully we're turning a corner um with the pandemic that these types of things can go back 
to normal and get back open and be resources for our community. So you guys, I am going to put the links in the comments. If you are looking, this is end of year giving and there are a lot of people who are asking for donations or this may not have even crossed your mind where you're like, where can I give my resources? Where can I tithe my, my treasure to in the community and not just in the church? So we will have um, links again in the show notes and it'll go to In Touch Ministries, the Boys and Girls Club, the Gateway Center, Hosea Feed the Hungry and the ATL Food Bank. So thank you so much, Amy, for sharing those resources. And this is this week's Social Minute. We'll be right back in a second to close out a minute of your time. All right, we are approaching the end of the show. I am so sad about it, but simultaneously excited to introduce you to this last segment. It is a minute of your time. A little backstory that I give to this is that, of course, as attorneys, people are always asking, I have a minute of your time. Can I, do you have a second? Can I talk to you really quickly? And so I originally had this idea about a year and a half, almost two years ago, to do these little one minute legal segments that were a minute of time. Um, and it's now grown to this full-fledged podcast. And so I thought a fun aspect would be for the tables to turn. And so if you, Amy, had a minute of time from anyone living or deceased, who would you spend a minute of time with and what would you do? Shay, I'm gonna give you a real profound answer for this honest. Jesus, and this is why, for so many reasons. Because I would do very similar to what Solomon did in the Old Testament. I'll ask for wisdom to navigate through things. If I meet with Jesus, y'all, that's the coup d'etat, right? So I'm, <laughs> I, I'm being strategic. Remember I told you strategy. I'm being strategic. Obviously, I'm a woman of God already, but then it will be Lord amplify. I'm asking for wisdom so that then, look, I would have access to all these other people, right? Because if I'm navigating and moving the way like Jesus did, right? And then I'm asking for wisdom like Solomon did. That's why, you know, even biblically it said, no, to this day, nobody had the kind of wisdom Solomon had because he asked for that. It's no one to ask for. So I would say Jesus, Shay. And then I'll have access to then like my favorite, Michael Jackson, and then everybody else, <laughs> like naturally. <laughs> oh, see, you're one of those people where you're like, I would ask the genie for more wishes. Like you exactly, are the- Exactly, right? I'm one of those, I'm like, strategy, <laughs> we'll go in. How do I rub this the right way? So each time I get what I need to get, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. That is really, really cool. This is of all the people that I've asked, you were the first to even think strategically like that out the box. Yep. I need Jesus every day, but then he's like, you could ask me for whatever. I'm like, give me some of that wisdom, Lord. And then I navigate to be like, oh yeah. And then can I holler at these people? So naturally, Michael Jackson, I would say, how did you become so great? And then I'll talk to Reverend King. Then I could talk to you, Nelson Mandela. So I have access to all these people I admired dead or alive, right? This is that biblical minute. Amy is right here invoking a biblical minute because <laughs> not the earthly minute that passes in 60 seconds, but the biblical minute that, you know, it's like eternities where you're Come like, oh, on, woman of God. You're like, okay, listen, I know we said a minute, but we didn't say what minute. And so in this minute, I know what lawyers, we know how to meander all this stuff. <laughs> Need all of these. All right, Amy, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you or your firm or follow you on social media. 
Thank you. So if you want to get in contact with me, you can reach me at on all social media platforms at Amy O said so. So that's A-M-Y-O-S-A-I-D-S-O. Um, that's on IG, Twitter, um, and then on LinkedIn, I'm just Amy Arefo. Um, and then if you want to check out my website, it's www.aop is in Paul, C is in cat lawfirm.com. So aopclawfirm.com. Awesome. And I'll have the links to all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on today. Have a happy holiday and new year if I don't talk to you. Likewise. Happy holidays. Thank you for having me, Shay. And happy new year. I wish you so much prosperity and joy. And thank you for doing what you're doing on this platform. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right. I know that episode was longer than usual, but it was really great to talk about the whole Little Wayne, UMG, Nicki Minaj, Drake scenario. And I genuinely do hope that that resolves itself. I will tell you that everything that you see in the media, please take it as a grain of salt. And I actually am preparing to do an episode in the future about being sued and when you should actually sue someone in your business as a part of the CEO Mindset series. So just keep that for later to know that we will talk about that because it it is a really important um, juncture that I think every business owner will cross as their business moves to enterprise that you inevitably will need to sue someone in order to protect the business that you're building or you inevitably will be sued um, when your business reaches a certain level of success. So that will come. Of course, I want to thank Amy again for coming onto the show and sharing all of her insights about networking and building business as a music creative um, in the continents of Africa internationally and of course here in the States. I have all of the links that I mentioned in the show notes and if you enjoyed this episode please reach out to Amy on social media and just thank her connect with her mind your DM courtesies that were covered in this episode about how to appropriately network via social media because we are in a pandemic but that's not an excuse to not build your business and it's a great way that is very cost effective to build your contacts in international spaces while we have this access to everybody while everybody is in the house and on social media almost all day long. So I hope that you found something useful for this, especially for my creatives. I know I talk a lot about traditional business in the podcast. And so this really goes back to the heart of music creators. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. Please feel free to leave me a message on anchor.fm. Please rate and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And until next time, this has been Minute of Your Time and I am Shay M. Lawson.